Hi, I'm Joe Shelton. I'm a singer, songwriter, and music producer, as well as a software engineer, and most of all, a father with a daughter who recently moved to Scotland. And I'm Bailey, a magazine editor, graphic designer, and illustrator. This podcast is our weekly catch-up. We wanted to share it with you and let you be a part of our family rabble. Uh, you have a nice wall. Like, Thank you. It's new. That's your, is that your new like um, poster wall? Is that the thing? Yeah. So like it's in this little alcove and I want all three walls to be covered, but we're just starting with this one and it's a pretty tall wall. So oh, I've wow. Got, yes. I've got some space to go, but we have picture frames on the side. I just haven't done that part yet. So mm. yeah, that's cool. I like it. Thank you. Yeah, Sid picked out most of the prints, to be honest. This one's my favorite. The dog howling at the moon? No, this spaghetti phone. Oh, the spaghetti phone. <laughs> I thought you were pointing to the dog howling at the moon, but you were putting your hand under. So A little platter for the spaghetti. I got it now. Yes. Um, so that's... Yeah. So that, that's a really long cord basically that's been no, that's, it's coming out it's like the sound is the spaghetti oh. mm -hmm. i see so whenever i'm talking to you is this how you visualize it yeah like i'm just covered in spaghetti yes okay that, that, that's 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 strange but i like it it's a metaphor for international calling it's <laughs> yes i mean you know hello scotland Let's speak through spaghetti. I don't like what you're doing right now. No? I'm not a fan of the voice. <laughs> oh, it was the voice, not the hands? It was, it was the voice. It was 100% the voice. I see. The hands could be tolerable. It was the voice that really set me off. The hands could be tolerable. If you do this with your hands, it could be tolerable. Yeah, but if you do this in a very bad British accent, I can't do it. Well, I didn't claim to be, you know some sort of actor yeah no you didn't but you did try and do the accent anyway i think well you know i think that my british accent is pretty cool so you know okay we don't all have to think that though right like that could just be a you thing it is just a me thing i think I'm, i mean so far as far as this call is concerned you're one one for two baby well hey that's 50 percent. i mean in baseball it's not passing grade but yeah, it it would. I mean, it's a good batting average. If if I if I was hitting 500 in baseball, I get paid millions of dollars. Yeah, it's a horrible SAT score. Well, I mean, but do, do but do they even do SATs anymore? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah I think That's, so. Is that even a thing? I don't even know. I mean, it's not for me personally, but um, I'm sure that somebody's taking it. Well. I mean, they are you sure? I, I thought I thought they like suspended it because of the pandemic or something. I don't know. That seems silly. Like they they want they want the college dollars, you know. Like I'm certain, yeah, I'm gonna look this up. I'm gonna look this up. That, that, that makes, well, you're like, you mean I could have if I had just waited a few years, gotten out of this stupid test? No, I couldn't have gotten out of it because I have parents who wanted me to take it more than anything in the world. So, 
That's not true. No. I mean, there were other things I mean, going for you more than in the world. I went to a college that literally didn't take the SAT or ACT scores into consideration for acceptance. So, well, yeah, they did. The, the, that's how yeah. you, well, you know, scholarships. No, they, the year I was accepted, they stopped using it as part of their acceptance criteria. Hmm. It was a big headline. Well, that's why I was. I got a scholarship from it, so. <laughs> you know, there you go. You're welcome for that discount, by the way. I, yeah, exactly. That's what we were after were discounts. I'm still yeah. after discounts. Um, you know, like the like yesterday, we were purchasing something on Amazon, and like, there's a little like if you check this, you get five percent off coupon button, and mm -hmm. I'm like, who doesn't check that button? Like what, you know what I'm saying? Like, why wouldn't you check that? I mean, it's, it's 5% off. All you have to do is click a check mark in the little thing for the Insta coupon. And I'm kind of like, why isn't that defaulted to on? You know what I'm saying? Like who doesn't want the 5% off? You know what? No, I don't feel like I need to click that. Clicking that extra check box is too much effort. I, you know, just leave it for um, somebody else. They need it more than me. <laughs> I mean, I I was confused by the whole concept. I'm like, just just how about just taking five percent off anyway? Why so I, I had a I had a similarly weird experience with customer service recently because I got a futon so that uh, my friend Sid could uh, sleep on it. And right. uh, when I ordered it, they um, told me, "Okay, cool, it'll be delivered tomorrow morning." And I said, "Okay." And I set out some time. I waited for the guy to call. He called 30 minutes before, didn't show up with the futon. And I said, "Hey, what's going on, buddy? Where's the where's the thing I ordered that you have?" And they said, "Oh, well, the delivery person said that they couldn't get your down your street with the truck. That like the street I live on is inadmissible for trucks." And I said. Okay, but like my unit is the corner unit. It's like the first one on the street. And the cross street is a major busy road. So like you could you could park any truck on it because there are several grocery stores that do and several <laughs> bus routes that do. So I feel like you could have delivered it, but that's fine. We can reschedule and you can get a different truck and blah, blah, blah. So they said, okay, well, it'll be to you by Tuesday. I was like, perfect. Let's do Tuesday. I'll expect Tuesday, set aside time on Tuesday. Tuesday morning rolls around, still no phone call from them. So I call them and I'm like, hey, where the fuck's the futon, guys? And the woman on the other line was like, oh, I'm so sorry for the inconvenience, but they've rescheduled it to Thursday. I don't know why they didn't tell you. And I was like, okay, that's not an acceptable excuse. Oh, well, they just did this. I don't know why they didn't tell you. I'm sorry. I'm like, you need to give me something else to make me feel a little bit less like you just said, oh, well, we'll get it to you when you get it to you. You know, like we know you paid $200 for this piece of furniture to be delivered to your home, but it's it's out there it'll get there when it gets there and well so, they probably didn't say two hundred dollars it was pouring more like pounds yeah it was like 170 pounds or something so, so like you so, were in scotland so 
Yeah. Well, still. So I'm on the customer service phone with her and she is, you know, I'm really sorry for the inconvenience. We'll definitely make sure that we have your number on file. I'm like, okay, well, can you send a confirmation code? Any sort of like confirmation that the delivery time will be that day. Give me any, a heartbeat would be great. Um, and she's like, no, we're just call center, ma'am. We can't do that. And I was like, okay, you just, I need you to understand and acknowledge that this is kind of an inconvenience and a horrible thing. Like I'm going to have to like put aside doing work on Thursday morning. And I've already done that on Tuesday. And I did it last week on the original delivery date. So like, this is inconvenient. And she was like, well, we can reschedule it for a day that works better with your work schedule. And I was like, no, because I don't trust that that won't be next month right now. <laughs> so that's fine. And she literally said to me, this is the words that the customer service representative said to me. She said, well, we already are incurring a cost, you know, same, like our company is incurring a cost by doing this delivery to you. Like it, because we rescheduled, we had to pay money as a company to reschedule that delivery. And I literally, I like took a minute and I just said, but you do understand that that's not my problem. Problem, right. <laughs> like I was like, I, I was like, I don't, I know that you're like a call center person, but the fact that you're trying to justify to me why this piece of furniture I paid for has not been delivered is by saying, oh, this cost us money. No, because there's a profit margin that factors in the delivery cost of the item. <laughs> I was like, I paid for the delivery. <laughs> like, no oh, it costs you extra money to deliver the item that you sold to me? Well, then maybe that should be factored into the cost of the item. <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck if it costs you $3,000 to deliver this piece of furniture to me. Mm -hmm. You said it was mine. I gave you money for it. Get it to my home. <laughs> I was like, it's weird that you would even try and justify it to me like that. Like, what? How much do you make? How, how much could you possibly make that you're like, oh yeah, you're really costing our company money right now? Like, but the problem I, is, the real question that I have for all this is, did they have a checkbox for a five percent coupon? Uh, they didn't, but I used like the honey discount code. So. The, the honey discount code? What's that? Do you like it, present them with like a, a jar of honey from a beehive? No, there's like, I don't, I mean, I don't, we're not sponsored, but like, you know, um, it, there's this thing where it like scans the internet for coupon codes. Uh, and I, I did it with that purchase and it popped up like a 10% off delivery over a hundred dollars or something. Well, that's what, that's the problem, Bailey. You use that and it screwed up their whole profit margin. They're fine. You know what? If they didn't, if that was really the, the breaking factor, maybe they shouldn't offer discount codes. I agree. You know, I also, I feel like the delivery drivers were a bunch of wussies. I mean, yeah, I feel like they were like, <laughs> eh, I can't do it. I don't feel like delivering this. They probably were feeling more like going and getting, you know, a pint yeah. um, instead. You know what? And, you know, this is at 8 a.m. So. Um, uh, well, that matters. I mean, I mean is a thing, yeah. even in Scotland, right? Um, I mean, yes, but. <laughs> yes, of course. Oh, that was a good yawn. <laughs> I mean, you're five hours ahead of me. You shouldn't be tired yet. It's, it's the middle of the day, right? Okay. Well, a yawn is a yawn. <laughs> All right. 
Um, so did you uh, get to the Gilmore Girls like triumphant three episode beginning? Yes, I did. I finished. I finished episode three yesterday. Yeah. Um, so, I, I forgot how much I like. I I was trying to on this rewatch. I think that like it's interesting. I once again have different thoughts and opinions about Emily and Lorelai. <laughs> Oh, really? You know? so, like I, 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 I did um, the, I, I did all three too, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm looking very forward to four, five and six of season one for our next go round. But um, I did um, uh, like from the start of the thing, from like the first moments of the start of the pilot episode, I feel like all of the, like the, the central theme of Gilmore Girls to me just comes roaring right into the front, which is just how much, how much love there is in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and like how that sometimes leads to all sorts of things that are, you know, inadvertent or not meant for, not meant to happen things that happen badly or, or, mm -hmm. or you know, any of that. And, and it's, it, I, I feel like they, take everything from a hopeful place where everybody kind of love each other and nobody has uh real ill, ill will for others. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's hardly ever any of that. I mean, which is a really rosy view of the world. And I, I love that <laughs> because yeah. there's so many things, I mean, uh, you know, and this was, you know, quite a few years ago now that they made it, but there's so many things now that are like, they're so fucking dark. Like they have, like there's no good people in the world kind of shows like there's a ton of them right mm -hmm. and um it's just like so glorious to like jump into the first five minutes and go oh i really like this place i really like all of these people even the ones i don't like i kind of like because yeah. because they're they're all coming from a, a positive place in in the world mm -hmm. and and that's really cool um i i, I love I don't know if if you uh, uh, like <laughs> there was a there was a thing about it that I was like gonna like ask you about like straight off the bat is this um, they have these uh, little things like they're kind of introducing us to people mm -hmm. and they're they're doing it in pairs which I find yeah. very interesting right it's like in a lot of things you know you get introduced to like a group of people or whatever uh, or like one at a time kind of. But in this mm -hmm. case, it's like, you know, there's there's sort of a making of the rounds that starts, mm -hmm. <laughs> even in the pilot episode. And I feel like every uh, every episode of it is like a making of the rounds, like we're touching base with with whoever, you know, yeah. and, and most yeah. of the time we're doing it with Lorelai, but sometimes we're doing it with Rory, you know. Um. <laughs> well, and what I liked about it was like, I forgot that Suki and Jackson don't get introduced until like three fourths of the way through pilot. Like, like, yeah. like, and like, it's funny. Like, the, like was Jackson in the pilot? I thought he wasn't in the pilot. I no, I think he's in the second episode. Actually, Yeah. Yeah. She's, he, she's in the, the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. She's in the pilot, but he's not like in the, in the pilot, like Suki can't keep from setting stuff on fire. Right. Yes. Yeah. And um <laughs> well, and it's like it's like they very much are like, okay, well, we're gonna introduce this important cast very quickly, um, so that you like 
have the setup baseline and then it's like, okay, now we can add people in. Right. Like, right. Um, like, like we had like Luke at the diner and then Miss Patty is like briefly men- mentioned, but we don't even, I don't think we get Babette until the second episode either. Right. right. No, we don't. Babette didn't happen until the second episode. I think, you know, there's an interesting thing there because there's like this um, worldly disconnect between the pilot and the rest of the episodes because they kind of change the sets. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and they th- do. They change yeah. Luke's diner like almost completely. It was right. like that <laughs> shot, like the wide shot of Luke's diner, and it's like a completely different building. Like it's not on the corner. There's not a shop on the other side for um, right. display a service. Right. It's like a um, it's it's like a shotgun uh, store instead of like a corner store. Yeah. And they um that but but the interesting thing is that they leave that in the open like for like ever. Like yeah. even though yeah. it's not the real, you know, because they're they like come out on them, right? Sitting yeah, because they use like clips from it. Yeah, right? they use like, that clip and, and like and I, I like it never dawned on me that it was completely different in the pilot, even though I've seen the pilot like twice. It's just yeah. that like so many episodes have um have it you know because it in in episode two it immediately shifts i noticed that it was different when i was watching the pilot because i was watching it for detail because i was going to talk to you and then i was like whoa wicked luke's is completely different and they like yeah. and that's it's a total... way more hardware story than it was like yeah <laughs> like, like it was a hardcore hardware store like in the pilot yeah and, and they, then they, it's they... like hardware light until the renovation happens right yeah but but which is you know a couple seasons in or whatever but i like i i really liked the um i i mean i i understand they like they had the pilot they probably got the approval for the show and then they were like okay i think luke's diner is a little too confining we need to make it bigger You know what well, I mean? Yeah. Like, um, well, especially I think it was like after the pilot, they knew that it was going to be one of the primary locations for the show, right? It's like right. there won't be an episode that doesn't feature this diner. So we got to make sure it's like an actual fucking set with some room to it, right? Rather than just right. being like a room with a table. I mean, it, it, it can't be, it, we don't want it to be necessarily big, but it needs to be bigger. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, like the full counter service, and we need to actually like have like a reasonable amount of characters in the space, like, yeah, because yeah. the way it was in the pilot, it's like there couldn't have been more than like, two or three tables in there, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it was a lot like uh, one of the shotgun places that you would find in a uh, you know, any city in America, really, yeah. like, um, not just in the Northeast, but I mean, in Indianapolis, there's those places, right? You go in and there's yeah. there's like you know, uh, an, a central entry and two windows on either side. And there's a counter on one side and like just a row of seats. And that's all yeah. the space. I mean, I played music in those places in the back. Like, yeah. you know, like there's no room and somehow they want me to play back there. And then yeah. they, they start like, you know, the, the music starts and like I'm next to the bathroom, which is always an interesting place to be, you know, <laughs> like, um, you know, you just hear it flush like every few seconds, like as you're playing all night long. You Gotta know, keep it on the beat. You, you, right. I mean, it's 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 a metronome, you know, uh, for for the for the music, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway, back to the thing. I was thinking, um, one of the things that um, 
um, is constant that that like they just start with the theme of it at the very beginning is the difficulty that people have asking for help from their family or from others, <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's a very small thing that someone wants help for and other times it's not. And Lorelai, especially, she kind of personifies someone who wants to do everything herself, no matter what, mm -hmm. but she almost never does anything by herself. She just doesn't realize that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, I think it's like, like she she always needs help from others. Like everyone, you know, in the world actually needs other people to help them with things. Well, I think that what's interesting about Lorelai is like she just doesn't have the fucking means to do it all herself. You know, it's like her parents could 100 percent like do any of the things that she wants to do without anyone's external help. Right. And, and then like, that's the big like conflict is like, they have like all of the monetary power in that relationship. And so when she asks for something from them, she knows that like, she is going to be like very like on the hook for it. Right. Like, it's like, it what me asking for this is not, it's not free and it's not, Oh, I get to pay you back in increments it's like you are going to ask something of me that is somehow worse than if i had worked on like worked and worked for years and years to pay you off like like with the family dinners thing it's like them saying okay well you're gonna sit down with us once a week and repair our relationship like that is an incredible cost right like like that is a big ask to of your estranged daughter like it is I would argue, given like the status they get from having a kid at Chilton, given the like part of the community, like they're happy to give that money. They probably don't even feel the tuition cost with the amount of money that they have. Well, uh, but but they're asking something of Lorelai that they know is a fucking monumental ask. And so like, that's what kicks off is like the, her saying, I want you back in my life is not like, it, it, it's very two-faced like it it's it, the ask itself is like she's asking for something impossibly hard and the only reason she's getting it is because she has her daughter on the hook for that much money like like and, and so it's like of course it takes so fucking long to get to where they need to go because their relationship is built on this like debt yeah. The, the, no, their relationship has been trash. Like they, yeah. the, 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 you know, Lorelai's parents really, really screwed up their relationship with her. Like, and that's the thing that like, you can't understand how much they did until much later. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it takes, well, and like, like, that, like, like you know, it, it, like when you, when you start looking at it at the beginning, it seems like she's a bit unreasonable with them. Right. Yes. Like, like she's like, you know, but you have to like, because you've met her just a little bit, your first instinct is, wow, what the hell did they do to her? You know what I mean? Like, yes. but, yeah. but it's like, like, but what they did to her wasn't really what they did to her out of anything that she doesn't recognize that what they did to her is, um, is not as bad as she thought it was until Rory makes her see that, you know what I mean? Like, like it, like it, it takes, 
so and, and it starts pretty early, really, because, you know, I mean, as we move from the pilot episode and that whole dynamic into like, um, you know, I, I, really, it's it's episode three. You know, I mean, two's a little mm-hmm. bit about her going to Chilton, but uh, well, and, and a little more of the setup with Emily, like <laughs> showing her controlliveness, right? Like, well, what kind of controlling me- person is this that shows up to the to the parent meeting? like yeah ahead of time the other part of emily is like she is when she's right it is not even like a victory because when she's right it is the worst she is the worst version of herself right like yeah she's like the like when she was right about richard and rory she was fucking insufferable Right. Like she she like had her smug little smile. She twisted the knife with her daughter. And it's like, girl, you already won. You don't have to do that. Like, yeah, stop. she's a sore winner. Yeah, right? she's a sore winner. She's and the so sore winner, like, which is, is worse than the sore loser, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Being a sore winner is like, why why are you sore? Like you you just won. Like yeah, you won. Like, you completely. don't need to like, do that. Yeah. Celebrate the win. Like give high fives. Don't like rub it in. Yeah. And like pretty much the entire time through the show, like the, 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 it is always remarkable to me how consistently Emily Gilmore says the wrong thing. <laughs> like Now that makes it so much more surprising when she says the right thing. Like, um, the, like, Probably it's coming down the pipeline. It's still a ways off, right? Like we have seasons to go before this moment, but there's a moment when they're touring um, Stanford or no, not Stanford, um, Yale, right? Like they're touring Yale. Well, 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 you know what? Let's, let's save that though. I I, I know what you're saying, but we're going to get there. Right. Yeah. So, so So, like, like the thing with Emily is she just has these moments where she says the exact wrong thing doesn't understand and then you'll get down the line and then she says something so profoundly like oh you get this perfectly like one of the things with this episode like where they go golfing is that she is arguing with Richard about whether or not he should even go right and like she so clearly doesn't understand how to present this argument to like anybody around her like she sees the importance. She just doesn't understand how to communicate it in a way that everybody can like, get on board with. The thing is, like, she is conceptually aware of how to make people, like, how to manipulate people into, like, yeah. having a conversation. She but, just thinks that the only way to have a conversation is to manipulate people. And She like, does. She, she, she thinks that, right. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that's, the, that's the thing that happens there when she's talking them into going. Uh, you know, uh, at the start of episode three is that she's she's manipulating and Lorelai immediately sees that she's manipulating, like because she's, she's like, like Don't manipulate. She, has, Stop she manipulating. has incredibly radar tuned notice of when she's manipulating, even when it's not even obvious that, so, that she's manipulating something. She yeah. automatically thinks she is. And, you know, and she's, she's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And yeah. Uh, but the interesting thing is that like, you know, they have, uh, there, there was a, there's an interesting thing about dynamics that I, I, I noticed at the end of the first episode that like, um, the, that was interesting to me for like, it's kind of a life lesson, right? When you're like, not very close with people, 
you can keep secrets from them all day long. Mm-hmm. When you're really close with people, there are no secrets, no matter how bad, how hard you try to keep them. I mean, they may not come out as quickly as they did there, uh, but like uh, her and Rory have such a close relationship that they mm-hmm. obviously cannot really keep secrets from each other, even if yeah. they, and, and, and anytime they do, it really messes with them because they're so close. And yeah. that like, you know, Rory met Dean and didn't want to go to the new school because she finally met a boy that she liked, you know, mm-hmm. and Lorelai like had to go Stiff ask for money. Out. Yeah, she had to go ask for money and didn't want to tell her. But like the truth all worked itself out pretty quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're so close that they like it, it, it. There was no way to not like give it up right like it was gonna happen like there was they both were gonna try and keep it from each other and it didn't work you know yeah well and then um, the golf episode too lorelei does the same shit where it's like she's upset she like makes a petty argument about a sweater because she's upset at the prospect of her daughter like not going her parents right and she has to like basically confront her about it and apologize and say listen it's not about this at all She's so jealous. Oh my God, jealous that her daughter and her dad could have a relationship. You well, know, in, <laughs> fairness, in fairness, her her dad, like very quickly, like like in context, it's like it's very quickly obvious that like Richard almost is like, oh, I get to actually have my daughter back, like in this granddaughter. Like I Rory gets to be the daughter that I wish I had, kind of thing. Well, and he also has a lot of respect for for people that are smart. Right. Yeah. And and like after just a few minutes of hanging out with her, he realizes that she's a lot more than just a granddaughter, that she's like a really, really smart person. And yeah, like someone he actually likes better than his golf buddies. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because she's smarter than most of them. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, and um, like the her. her, you know, so I, I, f- I found that really interesting. But like back to her first day at Chilton, though, because I think it plays into that third episode. Like mm-hmm. the um, like first off, they get up late, which like talks about Lorelai's, you know, messed up life. Right. Where she isn't quite organized. <laughs> She's got the furry cat alarm clock that doesn't go off or whatever. And her, she has to go. fucking girl that girl has ADHD <laughs> like, <laughs> that girl needs to be on Adderall <laughs> so and she has no clean clothes so she has to wear whatever you know and yeah. um so like that that whole thing like I mean it was actually very comical like mm-hmm. you know like everybody she she keeps meeting people and trying to like close her coat you know and then of course mm-hmm. Emily makes her take the coat off because it's rude, but she's not in on everything. She's not close enough to Lorelai to know that she needs to shut up and let her wear the coat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. Emily, if she had known, would have absolutely made her wear the coat. But when yeah. Emily started being a shit, Lorelai's like, okay, well, this is worth the embarrassment because it's going to embarrass her worse. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was the, okay, fine. You want it off? Great. You know, like, and, and so I, I loved that moment, but then uh, they get into the school and the, like, we start to see the dynamics of these rich kids, right. Mm-hmm. Who are very much like, uh, you know, you can see the the difference between Lane and Dean, mm-hmm. and, you know, and normal kids and these 
privileged competitive kids right yeah <laughs> and we have like you know tristan who's like the biggest creep in the world who keeps calling her mary and you're like and i'm so it was such a good moment when they when it got explained why he calls her mary because like you know lorelei immediately knew like the thing is she lives in this normal world and everything but she forgets all about like the way she grew up and all of the privileged people that she grew up with because yeah. she puts it away in a closet somewhere right yeah. and then like he's like he called me mary and she's like oh they're still doing that that's funny and, and she's like what and she's like it you know it means you're a goody goody like you know the virgin mary you know and i was like that is such a ridiculously privileged you know like yeah <laughs> they're like place right like you know, it's such a place to, of, you know, uh, that it's like, oh, she's a goody goody. Please. You folks are all like big wimps. Like you haven't been in a real world situation ever, you know, like, <laughs> and you're calling her a goody goody. Right. Well, and okay. like, <laughs> the interesting thing to me about that dynamic is like really and truly, I think that it, it, what is so interesting about them like deciding to call her Mary and when they call her Mary, it almost immediately cues you to like the dynamic of this group of kids is incredibly hostile because <laughs> she's not a goody goody because she's like kissing ass to the teachers or something. She's just being a normal, good person. Like she's like, oh, I need your notes to pass that test on Monday, complete stranger. And he's like, well, how about we do a study session? And he's like trying to hit on her. And she's like, no, he, I don't fucking want something out of it. Basically, everything's yeah. in negotiation with these people. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she's like not here yeah. to negotiate. That's number problem number one. That makes <laughs> and then she like. She great. doesn't let Paris take the fall. Yeah, she doesn't yeah. let Paris take the fall, which seems in these stupid fucking rich kid heads to be like, a power play over Paris. It's like, it's not, oh, I'm trying to help this person out. I feel bad because I broke their project. Oh, I want to make this right. Like a moral upstanding person would be in their head. It's, it's your first day and you want the teacher to notice you and know you're a good person and know that you're like doing the X, Y, Z thing for this. other student. Because this is all a competitive situation and I'm very insecure. Yes. <laughs> yes. They, you know. In their brain, they're thinking it's so competitive that, that this new person coming out and saying something like that can only be competitive and can only mean that they're a goody goody, right? Like they're trying to get ahead on their first day kind of deal. Yeah. Which is and, ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Paris has a ridiculous amount of insecurity for someone who's like obviously the top of her class. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. an incredible amount of insecurity. Like, she always has that. It's like built into her psyche, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's like and, one of those things where like the longer you get to know Paris, the more you realize that there's not really a cause for that. And it's like, that's kind of one of the things I like about her is that. Well, actually like, there is. Problems I mean, that you, like aren't really, you find out. For a really good reason. Like, no, even with, like, even with the explanation they give, you're a little bit like, okay. I mean, plenty of people have lived through that and not been horribly uh, insecure but okay i don't know she has family problems and that makes her insecure in that world <laughs> yeah i mean it but here's the thing is like everybody in that school has family problems oh yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just i'm just saying that I'm like, saying, like she, she feels inferior because of them and others might not they just like yeah they're a little more narcissistic than she is <laughs> in some ways 
you know <laughs> incredibly narcissistic right so yeah. there are a couple of little things that made me laugh my head off in the second episode that i want to talk about one of them is the heart player she fucking kills me like i love her okay like yeah. she walks in and she's like you know she's loud a like <laughs> mm-hmm. and then she says she starts talking to her about what she's going to play or whatever and she's like having none of it basically you know mm-hmm. and, oh yeah this like, is i'll really... give you an extra hundred dollars sold right yeah like yeah <laughs> sold yeah. yeah like you know she said something like i'll play what i feel and you will like it or something mm-hmm. <laughs> how about an extra hundred <laughs> okay <laughs> what you got yeah. yourself a jukebox or something she said yeah well i loved i loved the the fucking twin wedding i i i thought that oh was yes the twin wedding hilarious like, michelle's yeah. look like michelle's you know we haven't talked about michelle at all but like yeah. i love michelle's character in general because he's like the cynical one right yeah he's cynical about everything and then they come in and like the look on his face <laughs> Twins marrying twin. He's just disgusted with the whole situation, you know. Like, yeah. Well, what I love about that is he's like, that one is Mark and that one's Matt. And he goes, then Sookie goes, there's a post-it note on that guy's back. Oh, then that one's Mark and the other guy's Matt. Take that off of him right now. And he goes, I will not, I cannot get away with calling everyone sweetie. Like, come for her. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he stuck a post-it note on one of them. That's the great. Like, well, he did, and it worked out in his favor. And then someone tried to take it away from him, and he was like, "No, you, you could benefit from this too. I'm not doing that." (laughs) And then, you know, well, in the first, you know, Kirk shows up, but he's not Kirk yet. Like, for some reason, they haven't called him Kirk. Um, well, they, they like, called him a different name. His name was I think Mick. they called him Mick. Mick. Yeah. Yeah. Was I was like, in the first episode. Mick, that's Kirk. What the hell? And I was like, yeah. oh, like, that's weird. They hadn't decided to name him a character yet. And he played yeah. a DSL, DSL installer. And yeah. then and then in the third episode, he's back, you know, uh, and he. Um, he's like selling. He's like. No, he's delivering the swans. <laughs> And then they're like, is that is that 20 swans? And he's like, sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> There's like two. Yeah. Of course, Michelle has to go off with the swans, which was, you know, greatest. Also, a great uh, Michelle line. I actually took note of this one was uh, <laughs> he, he's ta- she's talking to him about, you know, Lorelai's talking to him about her day, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like what he needs to do better, too, kind of mixed in. And he looks at, he, he doesn't even look up from his thing, from his papers. And he says, to me, you are like the teacher from Charlie Brown cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but um, so I thought that was funny. I just like, I, I was like the whole, uh, Michelle was just excellent. Like, <laughs> and is all throughout. Like it, it, he's always got some little problem because he's very pretentious and also yeah. extremely cynical. And he thinks everyone's out to get everybody, like, yeah. <laughs> which is weird because almost no one's out to get anyone in this whole world uh, that that's being made, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, and like the funny thing about that is, like, I think that, um, like, I love that he is loved in his environment. Like, like, 
Lorelai really sees value in him. Like she doesn't say it so much, but she like she genuinely like values him as a coworker and as a friend almost. Like um yeah, like he he's kind of like a staple in that environment. I I also really love um just like Suki and Lorelai's like friendship because it's very much like Suki is always kind of the almost like a subordinate to Lorelai in those talks and in those relationships. But a lot of the time it's like Suki has her shit together and she's telling Lorelai how to get her shit together. Right. Like, like, Suki can see through things and she's like very like common sense. Yeah, she's kind of flighty about some things, you know, she's yeah. kind of a flighty person. But well, and she just waits for someone to actually ask for honesty. The second that someone actually asks for honesty, she's like, oh, well, here is exactly your problem. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't realize that that w- was what we were going for. She's very much like, um, she's like a dump him friend, right? Like, like she's very much like Lorelai will come to her with a problem and she's like, girl, you need to dump him. And then eventually Lorelai will be like, no, seriously, like maybe this is a me problem. And so he's like, oh, oh yes, it's 100% a you problem. You need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when- Oh, um, sorry. I, I didn't realize you were looking for actual advice. I thought you just wanted me to support whatever you said. <laughs> perhaps the funniest moment with Suki was, uh, was she like, you know, she wants strawberries and she can't get them. He gives her blueberries and she's got to make- what was it? Blueberry, blueberry uh, shortcake, blueberry shortcake, which is weird. She could have made a cobbler or anything. She's he's like, you can make blueberry shortcake. She's like, I've never heard of that, but she makes it anyway. Right. Yeah. And then, and then like her and Lorelai are walking around talking about problems and Suki gets completely distracted by the nice big stack of strawberries at Dozie's. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. she's like picking through them and he shows up and then they chase each other through the streets. And that yeah. just, that is so it's a long it's a long chase like like, like they just keep running <laughs> well like because there's been all this jealousy going on right because of richard and rory playing golf and, right. and rory liking it and so suki like suki and jackson are kind of playing the light-hearted jealousy thing because he's super jealous if she buys anything from else, yeah. right and it's not because she's buying the strawberries. It's because he likes her and he's afraid to tell her. Right. Yeah. And she likes him. So she doesn't tell him to go flip. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like they're, they're like telling this, they've got this whole jealousy thing where they're making complete fun of the jealousy because it's like this lighthearted thing as compared to the jealousy that Lorelai has going on that's got her not even talking to Rory. Right. <laughs> And uh, so I love that dichotomy and how they put that together, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, my favorite line after they make up in the in the entire first three episodes is they make up and they're sitting there at the, uh, at, you know, at the wedding or whatever. And, um, and Rory says, if it makes you feel better, I think I got a fungus from the steam room. <laughs> what, I, what I love so, so much about like the steam room scene by the way is like Uh these catty women were like sharing gossip the entire time rory was in there and then what's her face walks in and and they do that stupid fake oh we need to make plans okay well i'll call you and then she like the woman walks past and then the like gossip just goes 
most odious woman alive. Like exactly. Which is what, which, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which to me is like, it's just one of those things where like you see Rory kind of chuckle and then she's like starting to understand the world a little bit more. She like <laughs> is uh, doing the journalist thing where she's, she's listening in. Right. And, and I think that that's kind of like the interesting part about Rory is like, she's fascinated by that world and she loves her grandpa but she's also like very much like i'm going to listen to this information and then share it like that's like that very much is like when she says i want to be christiana amanpour i'm like that makes sense because you're doing what a journalist would do like you're listening yeah well and she comes and reports it all back to richard and he just loves getting the women gossip like yeah exactly (laughs) it's like oh they like yeah, and like his friends in the steam room suck. The, 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 men, the men's gossip isn't gossip; it's a bunch of bitching about things, right? Yeah, it's like, like, oh, like whiny bitches. My golf cart. My granddaughter is a tattoo-covered independent woman with thoughts. I hate that about her. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, basically, they they're like they're, they're just ripping into everything about their life they don't like. And of course, yeah. Richard says positive things only about Rory because. He doesn't have anything. He doesn't have anything negative to say, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. No. So like, I'm just ready to push play. You know, like on the. Yeah. It's like it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's not just the story that's going through it. It's like all of these different dynamics. That's what really makes it amazing. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I also like it very early on, you get the planted seed with um Luke and Lorelai, where like Rory's like, no, you cannot date Luke. <laughs> like, if you date Luke, you guys will break up and then we won't be able to go there. And we go there every single day. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and she's right. She's totally right. And it ends, you know, it's 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 a little seed where you're like, wow, you've really addressed exactly what that entire plot will be. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I can't wait for it. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the main plot. Yeah. It's the main plot of the series. It's the Rory, main plot. Literally episode one or two. Three. It was in three. Yeah. The series. And then they just like, Hold it off for a minute. She just, she just drops what the plot of like the whole like eight seasons of the show are, you know, yeah. like right there. It's about this. It's about, you know, finding love, you know, yeah. <laughs> like in the middle of it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, uh, uh, I, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed the first three. <laughs> As did I. Who's your favorite? Who's who's your favorite after the first three episodes? The heart player. The heart player is your first three episode fave. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, of course, the problem that you have to realize here is, like, you know, if I'm just talking about a, a single thing to pick out of those, like, I, I really, one of the things I really love about the entire series are these little bit players that are just fantastic. Right. Like they're, they may not even be there very long or they may be there for a long time and just show up occasionally. They're like, they're kind of my favorite thing, but I mean, you know, it's impossible for me not to like really, really love Rory, you know, like her, she is the center of the world, you know, and everything revolves around her, even though it's supposed to really revolve around Lorelai. (laughs) 
you know, Lorelai is like, she makes everything revolve around Rory regardless, (laughs) you know? And I guess, so, you know, they're my favorite characters. There's just no, and they're supposed to be, they're the stars. Right. But like, you know, if you ask me to pick out of these three episodes, the one that just made me giggle the most, like (laughs) it was the heart player, every single time the heart player shows up, which is very rare, right? She's only in it probably five minutes of the three episodes. It's just, Every time she shows up, it's like a priceless moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, first off, who the fuck hires a heart player? What kind of weird is that? <laughs> you know, like just a, just a standalone heart player, no orchestra, nothing to come and just play in the lobby, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a rather odd instrument choice because it's giant. <laughs> And, it's like uh, it very much like you know exactly what the problem with the independence in is. Was like like I think that like it sets up that location to be a temporary thing because you can start to see like where the vibe is kind of off with the independence in. <laughs> like why is there a heart player? This seems a little bit like black tie for this town to have a like full service like in that has a heart player and everyone in formal dress behind the ca- like counter, right? Like yeah. even the dining room area is like, it's a formal meal that's set out in the dining, like a formal lunch, formal breakfast, formal dinner. Yeah. And I, you know, the other thing is like, it's, you know, the, the thing that comes into the whole situation there is Lorelai's personality and, and her interest in weird shit. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, she's like, Ooh, a harp player. That sounds fun. That's why she hired her, right? Yeah. And then she brings her in and she's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, she's like, okay, you know, like. <laughs> well, like, I also, there's a line from um, the wedding episode that I really like when Lorelai's like talking her down from the stress ball or whatever, like the mother of the brides. And she goes, she's like, okay here's what you're going to do. You're going to go upstairs. You're going to enjoy a nice bubble bath. In about 30 minutes, I'm going to send you up, up a masseuse who like, bears a remarkable resemblance to Antonio Banderas. <laughs> and the, the woman goes, how remarkable. And she goes, oh, you will be applauding me. And I was like, literally, I bet Lorelai found that masseuse, like was looking for a masseuse and then went, that guy looks remarkably like Antonio Banderas, and that's why he's the masseuse. Like 100. Right. It was like, it's not like you put out a call, I need a masseuse that looks like Antonio Banderas. It was like you were looking for a masseuse to be on your call sheet, and then just so happened to be, and you're like, well, I have right. to get the guy who looks like Antonio Banderas. Because <laughs> like, it's, it's the most Lorelei thought ever. <laughs> well, you know. It's one of those like thoughts that, you know, oddly, th- that kind of weird shit pops in my head when I see people sometimes, right? It's like, yeah. oh, that guy looks just like, you know, <laughs> Antonio Banderas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. And I might even say something imp- inappropriate to the person like, hey, Antonio, m- mm-hmm. my name's George. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just... <laughs> It is what it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think for the first three episodes, my favorite character is probably Lorelai, to be honest. Like, I really like her from the outset. 
I do like Rory, but I think that like Rory kind of gets on my nerves on and off throughout the series just because she's treated almost like she's perfect and then she does very imperfect things and she kind of like is never on the hook for being kind of rude to people like when she is but that's not like an issue really in the first three episodes like I think that she's just a teen a lot of the times in this first three episodes and like you can't expect a teen to get all of the like little connections so. Well, you know, the thing is, I um, oddly, as an, uh, a 50 year old dude, um, I, I actually identify with like the teenager who like is trying to figure out his his or her family and their mm-hmm. parents, and how to, um, you know, how you're going to navigate the next thing, you know, like whatever the next mm-hmm. thing is. And her next thing comes kind of suddenly with you know, getting accepted into the private school unexpectedly. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, you know, it, it's just like so much to go and be in a new school, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and to be with like, not only in a new school, but with like a whole different like kind of group of people. And I think that that's where she, where her character for me is really identifiable because everybody's been like that person who had to start some, you know, starts into something new, whether it be school or not, like, you know, a new group of friends or a new, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you just feel like a little bit disconnected until some time passes and you, you know, where it happens with me is in, you know, music. A lot of the time you go to play someplace new and, you know, you meet a whole new group, a whole new band or something that's playing with you in the show or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you, you're kind of like friends with them just by, you know, being near them, but like, you're not really, and it takes a minute, like, to, <laughs> you know what I mean? It takes yeah. a minute to become that, you know? So. My laptop is dying. Oh. You did. I heard, I heard it go. Thong. Yes. But now we're doing a counter standing desk kind of thing. Right. Well, you know, I think we're near the end anyway. So I would agree. I yeah. think we've wrapped it pretty well. Yeah, and, and and I think it'll make a pretty good uh, you know, thing that we can put out there. Sure. Sure. I'm sure people will hate it. That's good. <laughs> I just love to be hated. I, I you know what? I would like I, I would be happy with comments of hatred or love. Okay. Um, well, I'll put out I, a poll. Like, I feel like if they care enough to hate us then that would be awesome cool <laughs> right well i mean i don't want to be hated i'm okay with not being hated uh, i'm okay either way all right yeah you know i mean apathy is what i don't want you know i mean i lived through Price. the 90s the 90s was an era of apathy everybody was apathetic in the 90s nobody cared I mean, I, I mean, I spent most of the 90s screaming, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, and I didn't care when you were, I mean, I did. I'm sorry. I tried not to care. I tried to act like it didn't bother me, but there was a lot of screaming. Sorry. <laughs> I do it remarkably less now. That's any consolation to you. <laughs> what? I scream uh, remarkably less. Oh, now. well, yes, that is consolation. That's great. I'm glad that you don't scream anymore. Yeah. Ah! Ah! Is that better? No, that's nothing like 
Um, no, I, but I don't want to scream like that. No, you'll alarm someone and they'll they'll call the emergency trucks for you. Yeah. That'll you know, be, yeah, that sounds a little bit much. I don't know that I need that right now. Yeah, no one needs that. Well, have a happy Sunday. You as well. Go forth. Go forth in the world, my child. Okay. I love you, Dad. Uh, I love you. Thank you for being a part of the Family Rabble podcast with Joe Shelton and Bailey Shelton. Join us next time for more fun episodes.